0: Then at some point I came across your TED talk and thought, ah, now here's a guy who's had RA. This is more specifically me. And this really your your so your message really resonated with me because and you were young and I thought um, I just felt I could trust everything you said on your, mm-hmm. you know, and and, I, and 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 also you you had been through such a lot of experimentation. And so in, in essence, you'd done the research, you'd done all the, all the testing and all the trialing on yourself and which, which of course I had done, but with very limited results, uh, not, not to the extent you had. And, and we were talking about this exactly the same condition. And so, so at this point I thought, oh. I started to listen to, so I gradually learned new things. Oil has got to come out of my diet.
1: This podcast does not constitute medical advice. All changes surrounding medications, diet and exercise should be made in consultation with a professional who can assess your unique health circumstances. Welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast with Clint Patterson helping you to live an easier, healthier, and happier life. G'day and welcome to the Rheumatoid Solutions Podcast. My name is Clint Patterson and today's guest We have Esther all the way from the UK. I'm on the other side of the world here in Australia. And we are today going to be talking about her recovery from Crohn's disease and also reversing the symptoms of rheumatoid arthritis and reducing the spacing, or sorry, increasing the spacing between her. Um, Doses of Simsia that's gotten to the point now where she's uh, spread those doses out to 11 weeks apart. Esther has had rheumatoid arthritis for 32 years. So she knows all about this disease. And to be able to get the results that she has attained in the past three years is absolutely remarkable. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful chat. And I only know what I've just told you. So I'm going to learn all about this in this interview with Esther. She's up at 6.30 a.m. in the morning. Welcome, Esther.
0: Nice to see you, Clint.
1: (laughs) Yes, now, I've said just about all I know about you, and I'm going to learn a whole bunch in this conversation. I've learned just what you've shared on email, and it just sounds uh, like quite remarkable. 32 years of rheumatoid, 29 years prior to when you started our program, the Patterson Programme. Goodness! I mean, you were diagnosed uh, what in your early twenties? Tell us what that was like when you were first diagnosed at such a young young
0: age. Yeah, it was a complete a complete shock. And so, yes, I was twenty one. I started with very painful feet and had no explanation for for the pain. That quickly travelled to my hands, where I was. So I was now. Really struggling to walk. I was struggling to turn taps on, open bottles, open cans, and or, or anything. And yeah, it was devastating. I, I play the piano, and I, I was teaching the piano, so it impacted on on that greatly. And I, I mean, I, I'm sure I don't need to spell out the frustrations and the um, pain. To yourself because <laughs> mm-hmm. you're familiar with that and uh, mm-hmm. but everything became a challenge everything became a challenge and and I think because of having it at such a young age nobody understood and I very quickly exactly. came to realize that it was something I had to keep hidden fairly hidden I didn't talk about it I tried to pretend it wasn't happening and I tried to I tried my best to do everything normally and to look as normal as possible whilst I was in this extreme pain and, um, and didn't really want to talk to anybody about it because arthritis was something that older people get. And mm. yeah, and I remember, I remember quite a long time into having RA, I was talking to an occupational therapist and she said to me, how have you? How did you come to terms with your diagnosis? And I, I looked across the table at her, and I thought to myself, I could feel tears filling up in my eyes, and I thought, Do you know what? I never have. I have right. never come to terms with it. Yeah. And um, and I sometimes wonder whether I whether I have even now. Do you know what I mean? It's, right. Yeah. It's, yep. it's a strange feeling, isn't it? It's- yeah, that's interesting.
1: You're at twice the amount of time that I've had the condition. And so it's interesting for you to say that you've never really come to terms with it because I guess likewise, it's not something that you really ever kind of, you know, you ever sort of give up thinking that it'll be at one point, like not a part of your life, you know, you, yeah, it's weird. It, it is, it's a strange thing. And especially at 21, I was diagnosed at 31. So at 21, I mean, it's even more kind of inconvenient. You haven't had enough life to really get sort of have more, have enough sort of non-RA life for you to uh, yeah. uh, sort of handle getting it. Um, yeah. So you're very chirpy though. You come across as positive yeah. and friendly and light and bubbly. So whilst you may not have come to terms with it intellectually, it seems that you haven't let it uh, dramatically affect your personality. Would that be fair?
0: Yeah, I, I think by nature I'm, I'm positive, you know, it, it positive and I'm, I'm a very happy person. Very yeah. happy. And, um, I, you know, I, it's only when I talk about it, like today, that I even sort of acknowledge that I've got some crippling disease that's <laughs> impacted every aspect of my life. And in fact, I I always used to say that I hated going to my um, hospital appointments because I'd be completely fine before I went. And on the way home, I would have, you know, a little bit of a sob because, I again, I had to be reminded that I'd got something wrong with me. And um, it was only those hospital appointments that really reminded me. I had to talk about it with somebody. And um, so, yeah, it's a strange old thing, isn't it? And then I could just put it to one side and uh, get on as best I could with with life. Yeah. Um,
1: And uh, is that because your medications were doing a a lot of work? Because uh, tell me about the, tell me where you hurt the most, how much joint damage was going on, what your inflammatory markers were like, and what drugs you went on at that age.
0: Yeah. So I my memories are sketchy, I have to be honest. And I think I've mm-hmm. been on and off so many different, different medications. And to be honest, none of them were particularly very good at controlling the disease. So I've got very, very damaged hands. I'll show you my hands. You can see mm-hmm. my Mm-hmm. you can see my hands terribly terribly damaged and my feet i've had major surgery on both of my feet um and i've had major surgery on one hand well two two lots of surgery on my one hand um so it hasn't been well controlled really throughout uh and and largely i blame myself some actually for this because the minute I was put on any medication, I wanted to get off it <laughs> because mm. I didn't like being on medication. Mm. And I think at that young age, and I didn't know much about RA, there wasn't the information out there to, to even, you know, find, seek out alternatives or, or, or whatever. And I mistakenly thought whatever, whatever medications I was on, and I recall things like sulfasalazine, Plaquenil, Plaquenil, yeah, yeah. Methotrexate, I was definitely on for quite a while, on and off, on and off, because I was always um, suffering with a low white cell count, and so I was, whilst I was on that, I was being contacted by the hospital to stop taking it, and then wait for the white cell to go back up, and then uh, go back on it, so I was on, off, on, off, and I had some terrible side effects from methotrexate as well. At one stage, I had a mouth full of really horrific ulcers. So that was never very successful. And whatever else I was on, I seemed to always be on, is it Diclofenac? Do you say mm-hmm. Diclofenac? or Yeah, Volterol, as I used used to know it as. And I was always on quite a high dose of um slow-release Volterol. Mm-hmm. And that's to that but, but what I didn't realize at the time was that that was only controlling my symptoms it wasn't controlling the disease progression and that just never really occurred to me particularly and I felt well if I'm on it anyway why am I taking <laughs> methotrexate sulfasalazine and whatever else I was on so yeah my the treatment that I that I was was on was just never has never been very successful at controlling the disease progression and my my way of coping was to take the anti anti anti-inflammatories and that for me sort of i felt that was the way to go i now understand it probably wasn't
1: well so let me just check so sulfasalazine plaquenil methotrexate were all in the mix in your first probably decade right uh, yeah. and taking tons of the uh, non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs to mop up what the disease-modifying yeah. drugs uh, were were not really covering for you. Yes. Um, yeah. And then uh, biologic drugs came into the mix. Um, what biologic drugs have you tried? I mentioned Simsia, and you've been on that since 2014. Uh, yeah. What did you try prior to that?
0: That's been the only biologic treatment that I've that I've tried, that I've had, okay. and actually in 2014 when I was put on Simsia, it was like a, it was like flicking a switch. It just worked mm-hmm. almost mm-hmm. overnight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it mm-hmm. was, and and probably probably be fair to say it is the only drug that I've ever been on that has had that impact. That that just I just knew it it had. It had worked. I was out of pain. I could climb the stairs, and it was—I could barely believe the the immediate effect. So yeah, I was delighted. Yet at the same time, as with all the medications that I've been on, the minute I'm on it, I want to come off it because I don't like being on. I don't. I, it's just the thought of um, pumping this whatever it is, all these chemicals into my body that I have no idea. What what else it's doing, uh, yeah. you know, in terms of side effects, unseen and seen. I, you know, so yeah, I I'm just the world's worst at being on medication. <laughs>
1: but you've taken your uh, Simsia consistently in the way that's been recommended for for the last eleven years, correct?
0: Uh, since 2014, so sorry, seven years. Seven years, yeah, seven, yeah. Yeah okay um, well then again yeah. it, it hasn't been a completely it's been a little bit of a rocky road i've i've had i had pneumonia in 2015 so i was off it for a while there i've had some some infections and i've had to come off it but only under guidance come off for a period of time and then restart but i've had no problems going on and off it uh and the other little the other interruption in the SIMSIA treatment was when i was diagnosed with crohn's disease when i was admitted to hospital with a with a, a serious crohn's flare they changed me to humira in a bit of a hurry uh, because that was their first line of defense against crohn's yes so i was i was given humira but that did not control my ra so I was switched back to simsia
1: <laughs> interesting, yeah. interesting, yeah, wow, okay, you know these are really serious conditions, and for anyone who's listening to this who who uh, may not appreciate the degree of difficulty of trying to get on top of rheumatoid arthritis and crohn's disease I mean you'd you'd be hard pressed to turn around one of them, let alone both. But you have started the Patterson program a few years ago. And I want you to talk about how that came about, how you learned about it, and what gave you the sort of uh, motivation to make the changes. And then, you know, how that experience went.
0: Yeah. So the motivation I mean, throughout the 30 plus years of having RA, I've tried all sorts of. Uh, I have tried other diets and I have tried homeopathy and acupuncture and yeah. So I've tried a number of things on and off with varying degrees of success and failure. And, and as as you might appreciate um, hearing your story, you invest a lot, don't you, in trying to find some alternative route other than medications. And, and so I've, I feel exhausted from doing that. And I think I'd reached a point where I had just given up and resigned myself to the fact that I was going to go on stronger and stronger medications. And this was my lot in life. And so the thing that motivated me was the, was the Crohn's flare and ending up in hospital where I was actually, I was told that I was going to have my whole bowel removed my whole whole colon removed within the next day or two because I'd got a complete bowel obstruction. Sorry to talk about this first thing in the morning. Um, and I was facing in, in fairly emergency surgery, I would say. They couldn't leave me for long. And I was, I was, this was a complete shock because although I knew I had colitis, I knew I had inflammation of the colon. I didn't know it was Crohn's disease. I didn't know how serious it was. And being faced with that was horrific because I honestly thought I'm not going to cope with this. I had the stoma nurse visit my hospital bedside the day the day before this proposed surgery. And she showed me how ha- ha- I would wake up with this stoma bag and this how to clean it and how to keep it keep it clean and, and all that, that process. And I remember not sleeping that night thinking, I cannot believe I'm in this situation. This is drastic. But at the same time, I was being given steroid intravenously, steroid treatment. And um, the following day, the surgeon came and said to me, your surgery won't take place today because the, the operating theatre is absolutely chockers. So it won't be today, but we've got you carefully being monitored. We're not going to leave you long. We can't leave you long. So it'll be in the next day or two, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll keep a close eye on you. And so there was another day of agony waiting for the this proposed surgery. And after a couple of days, I started to improve. Probably with the steroid, intravenous steroids were taking the inflammation down, possibly, and I started to feel a little better. I hadn't eaten for ages. I was nil by mouth anyway, but my stomach was definitely improving. Um, I won't tell you how I knew this, <laughs> but, but anyway, the yeah.
1: now you go ahead. I want to know.
0: Okay, do you? Are you sure? I do. <laughs> well,
1: Mike, I've got
0: I've got a this, three-year-old, a
1: five-year-old, and a seven-year-old. All they do is talk about poo all day.
0: Okay, this is so embarrassing. Well, I hadn't been to the toilet for ages, but I had yeah. that the, the one night <laughs> I broke wind ever so slightly. <laughs> but this was something I hadn't done for a long time, and I um, I mentioned this to the surgeon when he came to the to my bed and he said well that is really good news that is a sign that we might the steroids might be taking the inflammation down because before that nothing had passed through my you know through the colon at all and um so he said we'll leave it a day we'll leave it a day (laughs) you know and they were just closely monitoring the situation and yeah and that was apparently a good sign Clint because Mm -hmm. there was some sort of
1: fermentation going on the
0: blockage the blockage was
1: yeah yeah uh, well you know it could be a lot of things and you know yeah. i'm not the expert on this but yes uh, yeah. yeah but it was it, it
0: yeah it was it was a good size and um and so i was i was left and this continued to improve i mean it it took it took weeks before i was anywhere close to back to normal but I didn't have the surgery. that's the bottom line. I did not have my colon removed, and I have everything intact. and I am absolutely I mean, I can't tell you, overjoyed that that didn't happen. And um, but I, I came out of hospital probably about two weeks later with bags full of steroids and a, you know a reducing rate of re- reducing dosage that took place over, I think it was about 10 weeks something like that, to gradually reduce the uh, the steroid medication. And and then I was put on another medication that I cannot remember the name of. I can't remember it. Something like mesalamine or something like that. I can't remember. But they also, they they did the change to Humira and then back to Simsia. But they did say that although the Simsia wasn't, Licensed for the treatment of Crohn's disease, they did feel that it would probably be having some positive impact on the inflammation in the colon. So they were happy for me to to be to remain on that because it also was keeping my RA symptoms in control. So uh, so I remained. I went back onto Simsia, uh reduced dose of steroids. But this was the motivation for me to once again go. I have got to find out that, you know, something else. And I asked the surgeon, actually, as I left the hospital, is there anything I can do for myself, you know, to, to help the situation with the Crohn's disease? And he said to me, I'm afraid not. I'm afraid there is nothing you can do, except you you really do need to be careful about your diet. Don't eat. It's it's anything high fiber, you need to avoid. So even if you're eating, say, for example, you're eating, I remember him saying to me, if you're eating an orange, remove all the pith, but even the skin in between, you know, that slight, that really fine, what would you call it?
1: Fibrous, fibrous white stuff.
0: Yes, do you know, fibrous.
1: Do you, rib- is, do you know that that is actually really good to help create butyrate, which repairs the gut lining, which is the exact thing that you are trying to heal and he's telling you remove the one thing that is the best thing for you. yes yes
0: it's yeah. mind blowing yeah so so that's what that's the message i left the hospital with was low fiber so be really careful with fruit and vegetables and in fact i came home and uh, he said eat white rice white crackers uh white bread don't go for any whole meal whole grain, and, and be very careful with, with, you know, with fruit and vegetables. So I actually came home and for a long time, I was very nervous about eating anything, to be honest, anything I was very nervous about. And in fact, whilst I was, in, whilst I was still in hospital, I was nil by mouth for, for ages, for about 10 days. And then when I was allowed to actually eat, I was given ice cream and they'd let me have some, some ice cream and some cornflakes. And that was about it. That was what, <laughs> That was what. yes, I know. This is
1: extraordinary. Yeah.
0: And, um, and then I had one appointment with a, because I wasn't really given any dietary advice other than be very careful about your fruit and vegetables and fibre. Basically, and
1: so I, they were telling you the opposite thing of what your body needed.
0: I think so. Now I know, but um, at the time I was just I was terrified, and so I I ate for, for a long, long time. I ate white rice with a pe- with some salmon and um, some carrots, very you know peeled and boiled to within an inch of their lives, and and I just it was all very. And because that felt safe, I stayed I stuck with that for ages because I thought I'm okay, I'm okay. <laughs> nothing's happening. and I, and I just i I was happy to just stick with that because it felt safe. but yeah, not the healthiest of 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 diets at all. and so but, yeah, but that's what it my, might
1: have done. what it might have done because its it's an extreme elimination diet, what you've just described. It's not yeah. a healthy one, <laughs> no. but I've, I have heard worse. Like a carnivore diet is the worst kind of elimination diet where you're only eating meat. It doesn't get much worse yeah. than that, right? So yeah. it's, uh, yours is actually a, a, a far superior Elimination diet because at least it's well. Besides the salmon, which is, um, yes. you know, it was yeah. a little bit. You're only in a little bit of that. You are having some white rice. You are having some carrots. It's not a <laughs> by no means nutritionally complete, but it what it does do this does eliminate oils, does eliminate dairy, mm. and it and it, for the most part eliminates meat. You've got a little bit of salmon in there, but you know it's you know as I said there yeah. are worse there are yes. worse and yeah. <laughs> yeah so so did but you actually few- yeah see a little bit of stability on that
0: yes yeah I mean this was completely self-imposed I I suppose yeah. you know that I yeah. I've been given very little guidance I was nervous and this seemed to be okay and um and so I so I stuck with with that for you know for however long it was and then and then but in the it, it was during this time that I started to sort of read and watch things on YouTube and 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 actually I have to be completely honest I have done the Patterson program sort of back to front in reverse and I, and I can explain what what my my process was so the first person that I discovered on YouTube was a Dr McDougall hmm. and. Um, and the starch-based, starch-based diet. Oh, bless you. <laughs> and uh, I'm and
1: muted. The... I'm, I muted myself, but you gave me away.
0: <laughs> Sorry. I was waiting for the noise. For he little... <laughs>
1: just did a silent sneeze, that guy. He's some kind of magician. <laughs> oh, <dear. laughs>
0: Do it again, yeah. the
1: party trick. <laughs>
0: so i so i discovered dr mcdougall and and i discovered i i listened to others that um i think are dr clapper, clapper Yep. Yeah. and and others because at the time i sort of just listened to everything i could i, I bought a book about the autoimmune fix by a tom o'brien and yes. that's yes. yeah, yeah. And, yes and immediately the common thread that i sort of learned through these initial findings was the i learned about intestinal permeability and the process of of the leaky gut and the proteins entering the bloodstream that shouldn't be there and then the immune system firing up because i could never understand why is my immune system turning on my joints why is it now turning on my you know on my intestines and I could never understand why. <laughs> and this was, this to me was a, it really helped to explain a process that it sounded, it sounded sensible, it sounded feasible. And the the whole idea of animal protein going into entering the bloodstream that shouldn't be there, and the imu- the immune system correctly identifying it that it shouldn't be there and going into to deal with it and but the molecular mimicry argument as well with the the joints and the um all of that that made complete sense and so i immediately gave up all animal products so um by this stage this this didn't happen overnight so you know i i'd been I, I was probably back onto a pretty rubbish diet, you know, after the salmon and the rice and the carrots for however long it was. Um, I I was probably back to a normal, normal, varied diet, um, gradually as things felt safe to, you know, to consume in terms of it wasn't triggering any more Crohn's problems. And so I immediately gave up all animal, all animal products. I cut out, I stopped eating meat immediately. That was not a problem at all, not difficult. Dairy took about a month, I suppose, because it was a little more complicated. And I found it in all sorts of things that, you know, beyond just the milk and the obvious stuff. So, but then, yeah, so that was gone. So by about a month, all animal produce was out of my diet. But I was at that time I was eating um still eating things like pasta and red kidney beans and because I think i i I thought, oh, I've got to replace the protein, so kidney red kidney beans, pinto beans. I'd never eaten so many beans yes. <laughs> and, um, did,
1: and did you in were you able to go from that little gas that you did in the in the hospital <laughs> to a lot more gas at this point?
0: let's not talk about that <laughs> it's, not, it's best not talked about but um but for about um four months or so of this I felt like my joints were actually getting worse not better mm. mm-hmm. and yes I was I was eating pasta tomatoes I I was making new things that you know with pasta dishes and tomatoes and um, mm-hmm, and I was mm-hmm. so that, but gradually I started to learn and I can't tell you the timeline, but I, I would learn something, something new. Think, Oh, maybe, ah, oh, yes. I remember something about tomatoes, not being, you know, the nightshade family. I've done this in the past, uh, mm-hmm. cut out potatoes and tomatoes. So I took those out of my diet. And so what I've basically done Clint, is I've worked backwards <laughs> and I've, and I've, Once and I took out all those beans as well because I think I heard something that they can be quite inflammatory. (laughs) So
1: well, not necessarily. It depends. I mean, you know our program well, but for those people who don't, who are watching uh, now, you know, they there's a there's a period of time in which you uh, test them into your diet. But no, the beans, legumes, these are one of the top foods of the longest living people on earth. So. They're healthy food that we we need to get into when we can. Yes. Um, Yeah. 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 Hey, let me just hold right there. And so we we are live streaming this to YouTube. If you are watching this on YouTube, we're experimenting on this. Uh, We do have some people online. I can see now if you want to ask some questions, uh, you know, we can both answer them, Esther or I, Uh, just post a question and I might be able to multitask here possibly and see if I can see the questions come up and we can post them to Esther. So Esther, yes, so you were, you can continue from, you're eating the beans, you've got some other uh, changes to your diet that's, uh, that's more positive without the meat, without the dairy, but you're saying that your symptoms are actually progressing, yeah?
0: Yes, yeah. So I, I've worked backwards. So I was, basically, I was taking things out of my diet all the time at that point so after the four months I thought this is not improving so I took out the tomatoes I took out potatoes I took out well uh, then at some point I came across your TED talk and thought ah now here's a guy who's had RA this is more specifically me and this really your your so your message really resonated with me because and you were young and I thought um I just felt I could trust everything you said on your, you know, and, and, I, and, and, and also you, you had been through such a lot of experimentation. And so in, in essence, you'd done the research, you'd done all the, all the testing and all the trialing on yourself and which, which of course I had done, but with very limited results, uh, not, not to the extent you had. And, and we were talking about this exactly the same condition, and so, so at this point, I thought, oh, I started to listen to. Uh, so I gradually learned new things. Oil has got to come out of my diet. Okay.
1: Uh, hallelujah.
0: So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so can you see what I mean about working, working? Yeah, 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 ed- yeah r- I can see. Medicine program yeah. in in reverse. So yeah. I've never done the two day, the two day celery.
1: Cucumber! Oh, lucky you! Lucky you! Says everyone who has.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and I haven't done the twelve day reintroduction because I just haven't worked at it from that angle, and I, I wish I had. I so wish I had because I think a, the results would have been probably much much quicker, and b the other thing that I that I've missed out on is, recording all my progress. Mm. And and I and I wish I'd done that because how lovely that must be for people who've who've done this the right way round to be able to have all those records to reflect on and to further motivate them to keep going. Because and and I mean I can see my progress, but I haven't got it written out. So I haven't got, this is why my, my details are so vague. It's because it's all happened in a back-to-front way. Um disorganized way little bit by little bit and and so yeah I don't have that lovely record of of my progression towards health in the same sense that that people doing it the right way around would have if that makes sense.
1: Yes it's definitely satisfying to see for example a C-reactive protein chart if we were to sort of completely nerd out and start charting our C-reactive protein, which I used to do all the time. However, uh, look, the outcome is the same. All we're really trying to do is to reduce inflammation to feel better and to require as less outside intervention as possible, whether that be supplements, whether that be medications, whether that be Alternative practitioners that have to, you know, do energy healing on us or interventions of any type, alternative therapy, all these are to help correct to align the body back to the ideal health and a feeling of energy and well-being. And so, all of these things, if we need less of them, that that that's great. And uh, uh, why don't you tell us now, compared to where you were at your worst? I mean, give us the kind of before and after
0: yeah so i mean 30 years of of this i probably my worst i've barely been able to walk um without extreme pain and you know t- the point where absolutely everything is everything is painful you know picking up a pen is painful absolutely every everything is painful and now I am honestly I am I've been able to space out my sim so that was my next because as you know I don't like taking medications I think you've probably got that by now. <laughs> so um I started by spacing the simsia from two weekly injections to three weeks thought this is okay and I stayed like that for a while then I went to four weeks this is okay um and And then I extended. In fact, my rheumatologist said, um, it's pointless you going any longer than four weeks. He said, I would keep it at four weeks if I were you, because that's controlling your symptoms. But I always felt that how will I know, unless I try spacing it out beyond four weeks, how will I know whether or not I can go for any longer without it and cope? So I tried five weeks and I tried six weeks and this seemed to be okay as well. And yeah, and now I'm at the point where, and this is, this is, this is where I am. I, I've been, the longest I've been without an injection is 15 weeks. And, but more commonly for the last few injections that I've, that I've had, it's been around about 11 weeks, 11 or 12 weeks. But at that, I mean, I'm over the moon at that. So don't get me wrong, but I'm going to say at that point, I feel like I need an injection ever so slightly. And you'll know the feeling of anxiety as you get slight little, mm, just a little bit stiff. And those, you know, old pains, just coming back a little. But Clint, I'm, the thing I'm not sure about is whether it is actually joint pain or whether it's something else that I'm feeling. It doesn't feel quite like joint pain that I that I know from the past. And, and I don't, at, at the moment, so my rheumatologist has actually said to me, just stop taking it now. Now, if you can go for 11 weeks, 12 weeks without it, You don't need it, and but he's he's also said, I don't know what will happen, but try without it, and if you flare up, we can we can have you back, give you a nice big nice steroid injection, calm everything down, and get you back on it. So that's the situation that I'm in.
1: Yeah, it's so (laughs) predictable. The uh, the commentary from the medical profession to solve the inflammation with a counterproductive gut drug, mm. which is the mm. steroid. Um, and from our viewpoint, from the patient viewpoint, where we're all about gut health and overall health, uh, mm. that doesn't sound too attractive if it were. No,
0: uh,
1: no. Uh, you know, it's almost like a hands rubbing together. Let's get you back in here and yes. let's throw <laughs> that drugs at you. There's a medicine cabinet yes. full of stuff that we can yeah. throw down into your body, you know. Yes, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, gosh, I don't know um, what I would do in your situation. Probably I would uh, continue to do exactly what you're doing. And whilst, yeah. uh, you know, the, the, the medical community are – very cautious to have outliers, right? Um, Predictability Mm. is important and convention is very important. Mm. So Mm. you're in an outlier situation and having a patient that isn't in the real black and white portion of the rule book uh, doesn't sit as comfortably as one that is. And a real comfort zone is, oh, patient inflammation, boom, big steroid injection into the butt, right? This is mm. convention stuff, right? Uh, it's mm. familiar. It's reassuring to the medical practitioner. Your situation is just a little out there. And so, yeah, yeah one one feels more comfortable if they're treating one that is predictable um, and like every other patient. So yeah. um, look, but if I were you, uh, yeah, I would probably continue to do what you're doing. And you know we're um uh, as we're live streaming this right now we're in the middle of our rheumatoid solutions summit and i would watch mm-hmm. all those presentations and yeah. join us yeah. on the monthly live calls that we do as part of rheumatoid solutions and um, yeah. be just take take part in all of this information that's now available and just keep tweaking 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 and i was yeah. speaking as if i were you i would keep tweaking tweaking and see if i could get it to sort of you know like you have done before like did you say like beyond 12, 13 14 and yeah. look it isn't the way the drug was designed to be taken. No. but obviously it does something and offers you some relief every time you do it or you would just drop it. So yes. if you're not developing mm-hmm. antibodies against the drug which he can ask to be to have your blood tested for to right. check okay. on that, yeah. yeah check against antibodies and And uh, I don't pretend to be any kind of medical expert, but I remember a lot of what gets said by the rheumatologists, right? Yeah. On our live calls when we host them for the live calls to our members and what my rheumatologist says to me. And we have these conversations and I understand that, you know, for example, my rheumatologist has some patients who were in your situation and he's comfortable with it. So yeah. Yeah, it's not your average yeah. situation, but it's not completely unheard of. There are no. other rheumatologists around the world with patients like you right now. Yeah. because yeah. we all know more, and people, yeah. uh, patients are acting in ways that help to uh, help themselves um, without yeah. entirely yeah. dependent uh, on entire medications uh, to reduce the inflammation. So, yeah,
0: yeah,
1: well done, gee, you've done so well, and. Talk about your Crohn's. How's that?
0: Yeah, I have absolutely no no Crohn's symptoms. And um, as I left the hospital, the surgeon said to me that I would have to have the surgery, absolutely would would have to have the surgery at some point. And he said, it may be a year, we might get a year out of you, possibly more, um, but you will have to have it. And it might be better to have it as an Elective surgery rather than emergency surgery. You know, we prefer you to to come off the steroids that that they've given me as I left the hospital. So once you've come off those, we'll consider the surgery. And so in my head, I honestly thought perhaps twelve months within the next twelve months, I would have to have this this surgery. But we are now four and a four and a half years. And I have absolutely no symptoms, which I've honestly, I'd had the symptoms for since about, since about 2009, although it wasn't diagnosed till later. And um, so, yeah, and I'm eating all this fibre and (laughs) fruit and vegetables and, uh, you know, uh, and it's amazing. Honestly, I think it's remarkable that it's it's not just help my joints, but it's it's completely. Well, I hope it's completely. You can't see inside you, can you? But um, but they test for inflammation on an annual basis, and there's no sign of any inflammation, bowel inflammation at all. So, um, you know, there we go. Yeah, Isn't it incredible? It's just, it's, it's just brilliant.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, it just goes to show that a high fiber, low fat. Plant based diet. It's the approach that my friends over at High Carb Health, who deal with ulcerative colitis, that's their Obviously. whole push. It's the same diet that's used by the Mastering Diabetes method. Uh, my friends, Cyrus and Robbie over at Mastering Diabetes, it's used by our program, Patterson Program, yeah. Rheumatoid yeah. Solutions for Rheumatoid Arthritis, with insane positive outcomes. Mm. Um, you know, it's the Chef AJ Maximum Weight Loss, Achieve Your Optimal Weight. Program. It's the Esselstyn Dean Ornish heart disease program, and it's going yes. right back to the very start. Your Doctor McDougall, as a general physician, yeah. it's the lifetime approach that he's put forward to his patients to deal with just about everything else that I didn't mention in the last <laughs> yes. sixty seconds, right? <laughs> yeah, so yeah, it really yeah. is. Um, it really is uh, the the human diet, and um, and whether or not that appeals to everyone who get addicted to the, you know. Fat rich, sugar rich, salt rich diet. um, That's irrelevant. The point is that it is, you know, the human diet for optimal health. So, Esther, this has been tremendous. I want to thank you for being brave and doing this live with me on YouTube. We have done this before. (laughs) And if people like it, we'll do it again. And I might schedule these at a certain time so people can watch them uh, at a time that's convenient. Uh, And I want to thank you for taking part in this conversation and helping people with rheumatoid arthritis. Crohn's disease, you know, colitis, these terribly chronic, stroke-like, challenging conditions, yeah. and just yeah. being an example of of someone who has really turned around their their yeah. significant odds, defied, defied, predicted colon removal, and and even after you know three decades of rheumatoid arthritis, now spacing out your medications, uh, and getting to the point where, you know, your your doctor's just saying, look, come off your biologic drug and we'll see how yeah. it goes. It's, it's yeah. amazing, Esther. So well, thank, thank you, very you.
0: Much. Thank you very much because honestly the, all the information that you've provided has made such a difference and, um, yeah, in, incredible. So I'm very grateful. I'm very grateful. Thanks
1: for listening to Rheumatoid Solutions. If you'd like to get more help to live an easier, healthier, and happier life, visit rheumatoidsolutions.com.